Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. When I first opened up my business, one industry I discovered that was in need of an overhaul was the merchant processing industry. They're essentially the go-between between credit cards and banks that ensure that businesses can actually take a credit card. I discovered it's not a very healthy industry by experiencing really bad customer service. If you're in the business of making money by accepting credit cards, you will care a lot about customer service because one day, I promise you, your credit card machine won't work and you're going to need that great customer service then. Well, Caleb Avery is the CEO and founder of Tilled, and he has done the remarkable work of making his business stand out above the others in the merchant processing industry. He's focused a lot on culture and has made Tilled a great place to work, which results in great customer service and more customers and more profit. And I'm thrilled to be joining him in a rare in-person interview. Caleb Avery, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Awesome. Well, you know, appreciate you coming into the office today. It's always nice to be able to do an in-person uh, podcast. This yes, is, my, is my second in-person podcast and unfortunately the final <laughs> recording that, that we're doing in the podcast studio, but, you know, really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah, today. it's great stuff. So, all right. So tell us a little bit about Tilled and what your employees and kind of give us a little bit of that culture background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm Caleb Avery. I'm the founder and CEO here at Tilled. A little bit about Tilled. So our platform we call PayFac as a service. And generally speaking, we're providing a turnkey white label payments infrastructure solution to other software companies. And so we're working typically with vertical software companies like uh, dental uh, practice management software, nonprofit uh, uh, donation management platforms, golf course management platforms. And so we're providing them a set of APIs for them to be able to embed payments within the business. And as you said, you know, in the in the intro, the, the payment space is not exactly known for, for its ethos and its, its business practices. And so for, for us at Tilled, it really starts with the, the company mission and the, and the company values. And so for us, that, that company mission is empowering ISVs to be able to monetize their payments. But the second part of the mission is this idea of changing the payments landscape for the better. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. I mean, I started my career in the payment space at 19. Wow. Uh, and the, the first business, the motto is merchant services done right. And so, you know, from 19 years old, you know, going out in the field and talking with the merchants, you got this sense immediately that they weren't really happy with the experience that they were getting from their banks or their processor or whoever they were using currently. And some of it came down to customer service, but some of it was just the, the kind of general ethos about how these companies approached 
deceptive marketing practices or constantly increasing, you know, the, the rates to their customers. And so for, for me and my first company and for me at Tilled, we really want to, to be changing the payments landscape for the better and approaching the business with this idea of fairness and transparency uh, at the forefront. And I really think that that sets the uh, tone for the culture here at Tilled. Absolutely. I mean, I think all that stuff trickles out, like you said, the ethos, but I mean, my experience was when, when I first got, you know, opened up turning the corner and I had to get that you know, more the merchant mm-hmm. side, not so much the, the embedded part of it, but I mean, I just couldn't get anyone to explain it to me. Well, I had kept, I would have people hang up on me I, and I'm not, I wasn't upset. I'm just like, can you help explain it? And they were so frustrated with their jobs. And I thought, Oh my gosh, not only did I not know about this industry before I opened up my business, because it's kind of a hidden in this industry in the banking world, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, this place, they need help. <laughs> so I'm extremely happy to talk with you and hear your 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 uh, goal with this too, because it's an industry that is in great need of being changed. So so tell us like what what has happened over the last few years then? Like what how did you bring in some of your first employees? And, and where are you at now? Like number of employees and types of people? Yeah. So, you know, I started this uh it would have been January of 2019. So we're just now, you know, four years into the journey. Uh, building out the business. At this point, we've got over 60 employees uh, on the team, but we've grown very rapidly. So we started 2021 with five people uh, on the team. We ended, I think, around 40 people uh, on the team uh, in, in 2021, you know, at this point, north of, of 60 people. And so we've really seen, you know, this incredibly rapid uh, growth in the in the business. When I think about, you know, how that impacts the culture, I think early on in the business when, you know, it's myself, you know, co-founders, the, the first couple of people in the organization, you don't really have to be as intentional about establishing the culture because it's just a very tight group of people that are, you know, very aligned. And and I spent a lot of time, you know, recruiting those folks and like personally interviewing them and making sure that we're bringing the right people into the organization. Whereas, you know, as we started to scale, uh, I think when COVID started, we had three people wow. on the team. And so we've really built the entire uh, organization remote first, you know, in that kind of post-COVID uh, environment where, you know, we've got employees in, in states, you know, all across the, the country, despite having the, the office here in, in Colorado, we are a remote first organization. I think as we started to scale up that team and build out that remote first part of the organization, that's when we really needed to be more intentional about the culture because we're not going into an office. I'm not seeing all the employees, you know, on a on a regular basis. And so I think those first couple of months of COVID was the first time that I really started to be more intentional thinking about like, well, what is the culture, you know, that we want to set within the organization and then as the organization started to scale, I think that was another inflection point in that kind of cultural journey of the organization where, you know, when we hit, I don't know, probably 20, 25 people, I was no longer like personally interviewing everybody coming into the organization. And we were building out this layer of like leaders mm-hmm. in the organization that themselves were turning into hiring managers and building out, you know, that next layer of the organization. So for me, what I really tried to emphasize was building out that group of leaders at that kind of next layer in the organization that were aligned with me on what culture meant to me and the values that were important to me, because otherwise, as they're building out their organizations, you know, underneath them, you start to see, you know, the culture of the organization start to stray. Absolutely. I mean, matter of fact, that is the thing I coach leaders on is when you end up with that second level of management where that you've got managers managing managers. Um, that your only job 
is to mentor and coach them and help them figure out how to knock down barriers for their people because and how to build the culture out through them. Because if you don't do that, your culture starts to implode from the inside out, which is terrible. So that's very wise of you. <laughs> yeah, it was something that that I think we we just kind of were forced to to learn. For for me, you know, my first company that that I had built out was was really remote first in the sense that we were bringing on, you know, 1099 agents. And so that was kind of the the world that I was familiar with. That wasn't necessarily the original plan for Till, but when COVID hit, it's like, well, none of us are in the office, right. <laughs> you know, anyways. And so, you know, we we kind of went with, you know, that remote first side of, of building. I think one of the other things that, that was really impactful for us was really looking at like organizational design from a very, very early stage, you know, of the organization trying to be thoughtful about not only the the people that we're bringing into the organization, but make sure making sure that we're setting up the the right roles at the right time, you know, for for the growth of the business. And I think that combination of the emphasis on on culture, you know, mission, vision, values, alongside the the emphasis on organizational design, has allowed us to uh, I'd say make less mistakes <laughs> hiring because you all you always make you know so, mistakes, mm-hmm. especially you know growing at the at the pace you know that we have. But it's something that we've at least tried to to be you know intentional about um but also learn quickly from from our mistakes that's excellent yeah no there's it's impossible to have every hire be perfect i think i mean this is the work i do and i still make mistakes and so it's just it's not very many and i learn a lot of good lessons along the way but yeah it's very hard to have perfect hires all the time so so now you're at around upwards of 60 people um do you plan to keep on growing Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I think for, for us, we've got several open roles, you know, out there um, on our, our job board, uh, you know, today, and we continue to see, you know, growth from our, our underlying customer base. And so definitely, you know, strong plans to, to continue growing the organization and primarily continuing with a remote first, uh, you know, organization. Yeah. So do you hear from other founders and entrepreneurs, you know, in our circle about a lack of that belief of, you know, remote first? Do you hear other people kind of say, no, they need to be in office? I, I definitely feel like, especially the last, I don't know, six months, you, you've you started to, to kind of hear rumblings of people going back um, on uh, that concept of remote first being the, the kind of preferred method or, or the only, uh, you know, path. I think, there's definitely value in getting together in person. I think we've been moving, um, I don't know if hybrid is the right word, but we've certainly been getting our leadership team out in Colorado, you know, about once a month. And so, you know, we're, we're still, you know, remote first, everybody's, you know, primarily working from, from home, but, you know, on some regular cadence, every four weeks, every six weeks, you know, getting together uh, in person, we had a couple of months ago, we actually had the entire company come out here to, to Colorado. So I think for, for me, kind of where, where I stand on, on remote first is that I personally love working from home. Like mm-hmm. I, I've got, you know, little kids at home and I, I just love the flexibility that comes you know, from, from working from home, but I also see a ton of inherent value in being in person and having, you know, the, the ability to, to build, you know, the, the camaraderie outside of, you know, zoom calls. Uh, but for, for me, I think we've, we've been able to, to find, you know, that balance where we can have people live, you know, where, wherever they want and have the, the benefit from a talent pool perspective of being able to recruit, you know, anywhere in the country versus, you know, a uh, local... 15 mile radius from, right. you know, Boulder, Colorado is obviously a much smaller, uh, you know, talent pool than, than when we go uh, nationwide. Um, and that's, that's kind of how we, we've been managing it. And it feel like it's working. 
I, I certainly do. Uh, you know, I think for for us, um, being able to have that that balance of the the in person interaction, I think, has been able to minimize some of the consequences. You know that that some folks feel with the the remote first uh, side of it. The, the the second part of it, I think, for for us since we started remote first, we had, we had three employees. You know, when when COVID hit, uh, we've been able to to build the the foundation of the culture in such a way where we built it with that remote first you know side of the the organization of mine. So we've got. I think the right cadence of, you know, all company Zoom meetings and we've set up a, a fund committee and like being able to interact asynchronously on Slack and just have the, the ability to still build that community, um, even though we're all distributed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I love, I mean, what we've been recommending to companies is, is if you're going to go into more of a hybrid mode where you're going to have some people in office um, make it so that everybody's in office the same day or the same couple of days and then flexible the rest of the time right. so that you can at least build that camaraderie when people are here instead of like my husband's company, they um, where he works, they say, come in twice a week. Well, he's been in there days when there's no one else yeah. in the office. And, and that's you're not like, really getting the benefit. The company, yeah. You know, defeats the purpose. And so... <laughs> It's like you've got to kind of make core hours and then make flexible hours. Yeah. And so, or do what you've done where you're flying people in on a on some sort of a cadence as well to build that camaraderie. I think that's great. Yeah. I think we're fortunate to kind of have the resources to be able, you know, to do that, which isn't necessarily practical for, for every company, but it's worked really well yeah. for us. Well, we lost our office. We ditched the office after our lease was up because it was up in 2021. And, and so now we're taking all that money we're saving. And just redistributing, distributing it to flying people in, yeah, <laughs> you know, that works too. that's a little budget item <laughs> yeah. shift, right? Because <laughs> we're not paying rent. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a fun check to write every month, no, especially no, when it's empty. <laughs> um, so, so then um, when you think about then the beginning of the culture a few years ago, even though it's been pretty rapid, have you noticed anything with your values shifting as you've grown? Um. I think it's been more that we've been more intentional about the the values. I don't know that the values themselves mm-hmm. have, have necessarily changed, but like we probably didn't have, you know, written down company core values and like a written down mission for, you know, I'd bet, I don't know, the first two years of the organization. And so I think the values that that we have written down today, you know, fairness and transparency, um, a winning mindset, we're, we're not your grandma's payments company. Like th- those are the values that I think I was inherently um, representing and that I was inherently, you know, putting out there, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't really spoken. It wasn't really um, necessarily known no. by, mm-hmm. you know, everyone, uh, but they were the values that that I was, you know, feeling like we were trying to to put forward into the organization. It was really as we started to scale, where we started to get questions about, well, like, you know, does this decision make sense? That I was like, oh, maybe everyone doesn't really understand <laughs> the values that I'm trying to bring, you know, into the organization. So as we started to publish that mission, as we started to publish the values, and at this point, every single time we get you know, the entire team uh, together, we're reinforcing the the mission, the vision, the values, you know, of the the organization. So I think that's been the the shift that we've just been more vocal uh, and, and pronounced about sharing those. And then as we've grown, 
you know, over the the last, let's say, a year or so from an HR function uh, perspective, we're now doing like performance reviews, thinking about, you know, the core values in mind from a hiring or a firing, you know, perspective, factoring in the core values into those conversations. And so it's become a more integrated part of the experience, you know, until whereas in the in the early days, uh, it was kind of in, informal and, and unspoken, but largely the same, the same values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought when I first uh, started doing this, I would have thought that the values would shift as the organization grew, but I've actually been hearing from more and more people that they've held on to their values. And I've experienced that too. The values that we put together, you know, when we were 10 years or two years old are the same ones we're still using now as a, as a 12 year old company. And I just think that's amazing because I would have thought it would have definitely shifted. But I think when it's, it really comes down from the leader and what your expectations are and what you are wanting out of your employees, that's going to trickle down. And so maybe someday when the leadership changes, if it does, maybe the values will shift, but who knows, maybe not even. Yeah. I think for, for while I'm here, they'll probably be pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's great. So then um, what have been some of the things that you feel like, you know, you brought into this role just intrinsically with who you are versus things you've really had to, I guess, deal with, like, you know, I mean, we all have, I call it head trash, Mm -hmm. where we've had to, you know, consult with people, get advice, get help. But what did you bring intrinsically that you feel like has really worked well? Yeah, I think one of the the things that that I always go back to is this idea of fairness and and transparency. And I think, you know, when you look at kind of where I started my career, merchant services done right. uh, And then, you know, how I've wanted to to build out till and, and just the to, to me, when I talk about fairness and transparency, I think about it as like a lens for for making you know decisions. And so when we're making you know big decisions, is that fair? Is that transparent? Are we going about this you know the right way? And I, I think for me, that's just something that that comes you know naturally and is, is something that's really you know important to to me in terms of you know what have I had to, to kind of learn and and adapt to? I, I think for for me. Um, this idea of trying to transition from like a founder role into, into more of a CEO, you know, role has been probably the, the kind of less natural side of the, the evolution of, of my, um, you know, journey, just getting used to managing a team of, you know, 60 plus people is, is certainly, um, you know, a, a learning experience and requires, you know, a lot of changes on, on my end. That's something that, you know, I'm continually trying to, to learn and, and evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a sign behind me and normally that's in the podcast that says, I am not the leader I need to be a year from now, but I will grow because <laughs> I, <love that>. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been my big discovery too. I felt like I brought, like coming from IBM, I was very well trained, very well uh, mentored or whipped into shape, so to speak. And so I, I felt like I brought that into the role, but it's as you grow, it's never enough. You have to constantly keep growing as a leader. And so have you been, um, have you had coaching? Have you joined any organizations? Like what have been some of your resources? Yeah. So I think for, for me, you know, one have tried to, to surround myself with, with people that are smarter than me that have more experience, you know, than, than I do in the form of, of advisors in the form of, of investors. Um, and even just the, the leadership team that, that I've built, uh, around me, we've also, uh, had a couple of, of different executive coaches, uh, that that we've worked with, finally found one that that we're really excited about and has worked really well uh, for our team. Where you know, one, he's helping us kind of develop as a business and put in the right kind of operating systems and meeting cadences and things like that. But a big part of the emphasis is like personal growth for for all of us on the leadership team because, it, as you say, like the the needs of the organization change 
over time. And it's, it's the needs of the organization on me, the needs of the organization on the leadership team, the individual contributors, like as the business grows, like it is this, you know, evolving uh, organism and the, and the needs, you know, change over time. And we as, as individuals have to decide, like, are we up to the challenge of adapting, you know, as the organization grows? And if not, well, then, you know, that, that could be pretty difficult uh, to, to kind of keep people in those roles if they're not, you know, evolving with the, with the needs of the business. Absolutely. I think that adaptability has one of the most important things that leaders do. And it has, it is not normal. Most leaders are not very adaptable, especially I would say the ones that have maybe are a little more older, older school in terms of the way they think. Um, and they say, you know, this is the policy. We're going to be rigid with this. There is no flexibility. This is the way that it is. And that's not the world anymore. Yeah. We have to be adaptable. I always think of my business now as more of a, almost like an ecosystem where you don't know what species or weather or impact you're going to have, it's going to force you to have to do something totally different. But if you're adaptable, you can actually usually survive that. So well, and some of the changes come from within where, you know, the the needs of an organization with five people versus, you know, 65 people are, are very different, but some are external. Like you look at kind of the, the macro shifts that have happened over the, the last two years, like the, the world that we live in today in terms of our customers' needs and the, the problems, you know, that they're facing, pretty different than they were, you know, two, three, you know, years ago. And so we have to be willing to kind of listen, adapt and understand, you know, the needs of what's happening both within and, uh, you know, externally, uh, you know, from the business and then be able to, to adapt to those changes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, my goodness, we wish you the best of luck on this journey as you continue to grow. So I think that's a perfect place to stop. So I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. Um, Hopefully that you you liked my profile because I was very engaging talking here. (laughs) But we will um, hopefully see you next time on How I Turned the Corner and we'll carry on this conversation. We'll check back in with Caleb in a couple of months as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for the show today. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. See you on the next one.